This show is part of the Head Stuff Podcast Network. Welcome, gather round the fireside and listen to a tale of Fionn McCool, Cullen, Deirdre, all the sorrows grow on your wail. From giants right down to fairies, about the trooping and solitary, and ghosts who are sometimes scary. Anything goes by the fireside. Yeah. Fireside, the Puka Fireside, the Mero Fireside. Kings and queens fighting heroes, don't you run from the fun, there's no need to hide. Sit by the fireside. Mm-hmm. Fireside. Advent. We have tested and tasted too much, lover. Through a chink too wide there comes in no wonder. But here in the Advent-darkened room, where the dry black bread and the sugar-glass tea of penance will charm back the luxury of a child's soul, we'll return to doom the knowledge we stole but could not use. And the newness that was in every stale thing when we looked at it as children, the spirit shocking wonder in a black slanting Ulster hill, or the prophetic astonishment in the tedious talking of an old fool will awake for us and bring you and me to the yard gate to watch the winds and the bog holes, cart tracks, old stables where time begins. Oh, after Christmas we'll have no need to go searching for the difference that sets an old phrase burning. We'll hear it in the whispered argument of a churning, or in the streets where the village boys are lurching, and we'll hear it among decent men too, who barrow dung in gardens under trees, wherever life pours ordinary plenty. Won't we be rich, my love and I? And God, we shall not ask for reason's payment. The why of heart-breaking strangeness in dreeping hedges nor analyze God's breath in common statement. We have thrown into the dustbin the clay-minted wages of pleasure, knowledge, and the conscious hour. And Christ comes with a January flower. Hello and welcome to Fireside. Ho, 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 it's a Fireside Christmas. My name is Kevin C. Olihan. I am your host and your Fireside Bard. Uh, This week it is our Christmas special on the Irish Storytelling Podcast. We're going to take a break like we do for our Christmas and our Halloween specials from the usual original material and the adaptations of folklore and mythology for some reading of some of the classic poetry, prose and literature from 
from the tradition, not just in Ireland, but from Europe and the world afar as we celebrate all things Christmassy. Uh, we began, well, I'll start off by saying if this is your first time listening, it'd be an interesting one to start at Christmas. Uh, but as a Christmas present to your fireside bard, why don't you head back to the very beginning uh, three years now and over 150 episodes of Fireside for you to tuck into. And if you're a returning listener, as always, thank you so, so much for your continued support. If you have not done so, please do follow me over on Instagram at FiresideBard. Uh, email me at thefiresidebard at gmail.com. Those are the best places to get in touch if you just want to say hello or if you have any thoughts, queries, critiques, uh, compliments, anything. All are welcome. All are useful. Those are the best places to get in touch with me. You can now order my book, uh, A Garden Sea, my book of poetry is available from the Headstuff website uh, on paperback or the Kindle version is available on Amazon.com. The links are both in the description there. Thank you so, so much to everyone who's already bought it. It's only been out for a couple of weeks now. Uh, there have been new orders every day and it's been shipping all over the world and it's been really, really gratifying after the journey it was both to write and then to publish the book itself. Uh, so I hope, I hope all of you uh, are starting to receive those, especially the ones uh, that are over overseas more so i hope you, a few of you get it before christmas and uh, please do let me know your thoughts any of you that do follow me or email me let me know what you thought if you do enjoy it and uh, please do leave a review for it over on amazon those do really help new authors especially in the early weeks of a book's release and i hope to publish much more so everything helps to build up uh, to write, publish, repeat, as is one of the best pieces of advice I got. Um, if you aren't interested in the poetry book and you want to support the podcast, you can do so over at headstuffpodcast.com where you can join Headstuff Plus, where for as little as five euro a month, you can gain access to not just bonus material for Fireside, but for all of the podcasts on the Headstuff Podcast Network. And there are new ones of those each and every month, uh, including you get advanced ticket sales notice on live shows. And uh, for all of the p- subscribers who subscribed before Christmas, I included a free ebook version of Fire of Garden Sea uh, to all of my listeners as a little gift, as a small token of my appreciation for you supporting both me and the podcast. Those are just no hard sells in those, but there are all of the links to those in the description in the show show notes, the bio for the show. I am coming to you. <laughs> those who are regular listeners to this podcast will know that. Out of nowhere, I will suddenly be in a very, very different location. Of all places, I am recording to you this week from a place I wouldn't have considered a particularly Christmassy place. I'm coming to you from Dubai. Essentially, to cut a long story short, I got a call last week, very, very last minute, to ask me to come over and play a residency uh, in the Irish village over in Dubai for the World Expo, which is over here. Um, so... A week after not really having Dubai on my radar to go as a place socially, I will now be spending Christmas and the subsequent three months over here playing music six nights a week in the Irish village, um, which has been an incredible opportunity. And I'm sad to be away from my family and be away from home for the very first time ever at Christmas. I tour a lot and I work a lot abroad and I've I've been away a lot of Decembers, but I've never quite actually missed the day of Christmas itself and I am sad to do so but 
it is an incredible opportunity and a brand new adventure in a time where more and more work is still being cancelled and gone and Ireland is in a very, very bad place again, as a lot of the world is, but Ireland is particularly locked down and restricted and essentially all live entertainment has been locked again and it is hard to feel not very personally uh, personally singled out us in the arts when we have done everything, we have obeyed every regulation and we have adapted to survive so much to do with every restriction and every guideline and yet once again we were the first to close, the last to reopen and now we are the first to close again. But we do so soldier on and I have solidarity with my friends back home but the, when the opportunity arose to take work abroad I had to take it and I'm very grateful for it and it is an incredible world over here the expo is stunning i've only been over here a couple of days and haven't really had much of a chance to explore already but i've i've started playing the gigs and it's incredible over here so on the off chance there are any fireside listeners over in dubai for the expo over the next three months drop into the irish village uh it's near uh it's right beside the jubilee stage and you'll have a chance to hear me play a few tunes and come and say hello. But of course, that will mean that I will be recording the podcast remotely for the foreseeable, which as always I have my handy setup for my pocket recorder, my H4 Zoom and my AKG condenser mic. So it's quite nice, to be honest, that the first episode I'm recording here in Dubai is a Christmas special because it's very hard to feel Christmassy in the in the blistering heat I'm not complaining about that, but uh, it's naturally that does make me miss home that little bit more when it doesn't feel as Christmassy over here. So it's really nice to get to feel Christmassy now, reading some Christmas poetry and some stories. So the first, the one we opened with was Advent by Patrick Kavanagh, uh, my favourite Irish poet. This was a poem that I studied in school. We had a Christmas childhood on the first Fireside Christmas special, I believe, um, although this is the problem when now the this podcast has been running for as long as it has, the very first Christmas special was not released, so we re-recorded it last year, but I think A Christmas Childhood was recorded, recorded in that. But this is, this is another Christmas-themed Patrick Kavanagh piece that I remember the the poetry of Kavanagh that's on the Leaving Cert syllabus in Ireland is often criticised because it's it's more sanitised versions of Kavanaugh's poems. Well, not even versions, just it's the more sanitised pieces when he has some really bawdy, gritty, ugly, glorious poetry at his disposal. But upon rereading this, I really, really like this poem because there's this incredible repressed sexuality that was so indicative of Catholic Ireland when Kavanaugh would have been writing in the mid-20th century. I love that this is this is a love poem and a very uh, overtly sexualized love poem all told through the the metaphor of Advent and of communion, and of Christmas time, and of trying to get back to childhood, and as always, like, really rooted in the bog and the farmland of the Monaghan that Kavanagh grew up in. And I enjoyed it so much, and there's so much 
pleasure to be taken from the words in here. Even as simple as like the dry black bread and the sugar glass tea of penance. It was a really glorious poem. I really recommend you go and look it up and have a read of it yourselves. Uh, Advent is the name of it one more time from Kavna. <laughs> I always like to open these specials with a poem and I really, really enjoyed that one as one. But to move on to our main event, we have a couple of pieces ahead of us uh, for this Christmas special. The first one is uh, is one I can't believe I didn't do last year, actually. I know I was focused on doing the, the Dickens piece because I had been doing a Christmas carol the year before. But this is a story that I don't remember a time where I didn't know this story. It was read to me very, very young. I think it wasn't even at home, but it was definitely in primary school when I was very, very young. And it was a really nice one to revisit and to revisit in a couple of different translations. There was things that I always remembered about it, and then there was things that were new to me that I that I didn't remember at all. We're going to have a read of it. We'll chat more afterwards. But this is our main Christmas story for this year, and it's The Little Match Girl by Hans Christian Andersen. The Little Match Girl It was so terribly cold. Snow was falling, and it was almost dark. Evening came on, the last evening of the year. In the cold and gloom, a poor little girl bareheaded and barefoot was walking through the streets. Of course, when she had left her house, she'd had slippers on. But what good had they been? They were very big slippers, way too big for her, for they belonged to her mother. The little girl had lost them running across the road, where two carriages had rattled by terribly fast. One slipper she'd not been able to find again, and a boy had run off with the other, saying that he could use it very well as a cradle some day when he had children of his own. And so the little girl walked on her naked feet, which were quite red and blue with the cold. In an old apron she carried several packages of matches, and she held a box of them in her hand. No one had bought any from her all day long, and no one had given her a cent. Shivering with cold and hunger, she crept along, a picture of misery, poor little girl. The snowflakes fell on her long, fair hair, which hung in pretty curls over her neck. In all the windows, lights were shining, and there was a wonderful smell of roast goose, for it was New Year's Eve. Yes, she thought of that. In a corner formed by two houses, one of which projected farther out onto the street than the other, she sat down and drew up her little feet under her. She was getting colder and colder, but she did not dare go home for she had sold no matches, nor earned a single cent, and her father would surely beat her. Besides, it was cold at home, 
for they had nothing over them but a roof through which the wind whistled, even though the biggest cracks had been stuffed with straw and rags. Her hands were almost dead with cold. Oh, how much one little match would warm her. If she could only take one from the box and rub it against the wall and warm her hands. She drew one out. How it sputtered and burned. It made a warm, bright flame like a candle as she held her hands over it. But it gave a strange light. It really seemed to the little girl as if she were sitting before a great iron stove with shining brass knobs and a brass cover. How wonderfully the fire burned. How comfortable it was. The youngster stretched out her feet to warm them too. Then the little flame went out. The stove vanished and she had only the remains of the burnt match in her hand. She struck another match against the wall. It burned brightly, and when the light fell upon the wall, it became transparent like a thin veil, and she could see through it into a room. On the table a snow-white cloth was spread, and on it stood a shining dinner service. The roast goose steamed gloriously, stuffed with apples and prunes. And what was better, the goose jumped down from the dish and waddled along the floor with a knife and fork in its breast right over to the little girl. Then the match went out, and she could only see the thick, cold wall. She lighted another match. Then she was sitting under the most beautiful Christmas tree. It was much larger and much more beautiful than the one she had seen last Christmas through the glass door at the rich merchant's house. Thousands of candles burned on the green branches and coloured pictures like those in the print shops looked down at her. Then the little girl reached both her hands towards them. Then the match went out. But the Christmas lights mounted higher. She saw them now as bright stars in the sky. One of them fell down, forming a long line of fire. Now someone is dying, thought the little girl, for her old grandmother, the only person who had loved her and who was now dead, had told her that when a star fell down, a soul went up to God. She rubbed another match against the wall. It became bright again, and in the glow the old grandmother stood clear and shining, kind and lovely. Grandmother, cried the child, oh, take me with you. You will vanish like the warm stove, the wonderful roast goose, and the beautiful big Christmas tree. And she quickly struck the whole bunch of matches, for she wished to keep her grandmother with her, and the matches burned with such a glow that it became brighter than daylight. Grandmother had never been so grand and beautiful. She took the little girl in her arms, and both of them flew in brightness and joy above the earth, very, very high, 
and up there was neither cold, nor hunger, nor fear. They were with God. But in the corner, leaning against the wall, sat the little girl with red cheeks and a smiling mouth, frozen to death on the last evening of the old year. The New Year's sun rose upon a little pathetic figure. The child sat there, stiff and cold, holding the matches, of which one bundle was almost burned. She wanted to warm herself, the people said. No one imagined what beautiful things she had seen, and how happily she had gone with her grandmother into the bright new year. The End Folks, as you all know, Fireside is a proud son of the Headstuff Podcast Network, which is Ireland's largest network of independent podcasts and a loving home for the creative and indeed the curious. There are so many other podcasts I could recommend to you on the network, some of which inspired me to approach Headstuff myself. Here's a taste of one you might enjoy. Tell me, are you still looking for something worth dying for? Oh, kid. I left all that behind me. These days, I'm much happier as the humble owner of this down-to-earth and incredibly exclusive nightclub. Mick turns his head away and stares pensively. Dancing hot sex man, adventure romance. He will kick several Nazis and get in your pants. Blackbird! Listen to the Bootsy Boys Blackbird on the Headstuff Podcast Network. Oh, and that was the beautiful, tragic story of the little match girl on Fireside. On the off chance that any of you did not know that story, or perhaps you haven't heard it in a long, long time and forgot what has happened, you may be going, why are you telling such a sad story on Christmas? Well, it's still one of the greatest Christmas stories that certainly I know. And interestingly enough, Hans Christian Andersen view the ending as very happy which to be fair it is in a similar way to the later than original folktales by Oscar Wilde or the later fairy tales original fairy tales the little match girl is so happy leaving and there is the smile on her frozen face as she lies there dead at the side of the street it's a very similar Hans Christian Andersen kind of tale to the Little Mermaid and how in his original version is a significantly more tragic end than the Disney version, which we would be so much more familiar with, most of us. But as I said, I don't remember a time where I didn't know this story. And so a couple of the things that I was surprised by was how short it is. Wonderfully short, and yet you can pack so, so much into it. There's not a line, there's not a word wasted. It's almost like a piece of poetry itself. And there's such tragic imagery to it. The image of the, the matches, the striking of the individual matches, and then the striking of the book, the whole book at the end. That was, that was something I remembered very, very vividly, but I didn't remember the things that the little match girl saw. 
I remember her being afraid to go home, that her father would beat her. I remember her walking barefoot and having lost her slippers. But I'd totally forgotten about this world, these worlds that she witnessed when she struck each one of the matches. And the and the happy the happy ending for her about it. And this to contextualize, so this story was written in eighteen forty five. Hans Christian Andersen would have been very much a contemporary of Dickens. He was a bit older, I think, because uh, there is a there's a play by the Irish playwright Sebastian Barry called Andersen's English about an older Hans Christian Andersen visiting Charles Dickens and his family. And the Brothers Grimm stories would have become very recently popular at this time because Dickens himself has said in a in a line I, I love so much that Little Red Riding Hood was his first love. And for someone who wrote incredibly, incredibly complex women uh, in so many of his stories, and you could say that there was almost a focus on, on the complexity of these female characters at a time where there wasn't a huge amount of that. But that is all rooted in Little Red Riding Hood is something I just adore so much. So it's a very good time for fairy tales. And then you have in Denmark, then Hans Christian Andersen wanted to write his own fairy tales with a very, very tragic slant to them. And I don't know a huge amount of the other Dickens fairy, or Andersen fairy tales. And I know there are many more, not just this and and uh, The Little Mermaid. And this is, rereading this has really made me want to dive back into them and even consider adapting some of them myself for this. We had we had Norse mythology. Why couldn't we do Norse, Norse storytelling? There's a very, very strong connection between Denmark and Wicklow, as it is anyway. It was the Danish Vikings that found it, that founded my hometown. But I certainly will be looking into a lot more of the stories, the Hans Christian Andersen fairy tales. That's it's just a very moving story, and I hope you all enjoyed it. The final piece that we're going to go for this evening is uh, a bit more of a, a lot more of a familiar piece to many of you, I'm sure, especially to those listeners in America. I'd be very, very interested to hear how popular this is because this next piece is is popular at Christmas to the point of stereotype or cliche, but yet it's not something I think any of us, certainly in Europe or in Ireland, ever read ourselves or ever were read because there's so much of it that's familiar from movies and from TV shows, but then there are sections of it that you never hear that are always cut out of these pieces of media. <coughs> oh, I beg your pardon. It's, uh, it's called A Visit from St. Nicholas by Clement Clark Moore, but it is far better known as The Night Before Christmas. A Visit from St. Nicholas. T'was the night before Christmas, when all through the house not a creature was stirring, not even a mouse. The stockings were hung by the chimney with care, in hopes that St. Nicholas soon would be there. The children were nestled all snug in their beds, while visions of sugar plums danced in their heads. And Mamma in her kerchief, and I in my cap, had just settled in for a long winter's nap, 
when out on the lawn there arose such a clatter. I sprang from my bed to see what was the matter. Away to the window I flew like a flash, tore open the shutters and threw up the sash. The moon on the breast of the new-fallen snow gave a luster of midday to objects below. When what to my wondering eyes did appear but a miniature sleigh and eight tiny reindeer. With a little old driver so lively and quick, I knew in a moment he must be Saint Nick. More rapid than eagles his coursers they came, and he whistled and shouted and called them by name. Now Dasher, now Dancer, now Prancer and Vixen, on Comet, on Cupid, on Donner and Blitzen. To the top of the porch, to the top of the wall, now dash away, dash away, dash away all. As leaves that before the wild hurricane fly, when they meet with an obstacle, mount to the sky, so up to the housetop the courses they flew, with the sleigh full of toys, and St. Nicholas too. And then in a twinkling I heard on the roof the prancing and pawing of each little hoof. As I drew in my head and was turning around, down the chimney St. Nicholas came with a bound. He was dressed all in fur, from his head to his foot, and his clothes were all tarnished with ashes and soot. A bundle of toys he had flung on his back, and he looked like a peddler just opening his pack. His eyes, how they twinkled, his dimples, how merry, his cheeks were like roses, his nose like a cherry. His droll little mouth was drawn up like a bow, and the beard on his chin was as white as the snow. The stump of a pipe he held tight in his teeth, and to the smoke it encircled his head like a wreath. He had a broad face and a little round belly that shook when he laughed like a bowl full of jelly. He was chubby and plump, a right jolly old elf, and I laughed when I saw him in spite of myself. A wink of his eye and a twist of his head soon gave me to know I had nothing to dread. He spoke not a word, but went straight to his work and filled all his stockings, then turned with a jerk. And laying his finger aside on his nose, and giving a nod, up the chimney he rose. He sprang to his sleigh, to his team gave a whistle, and away they all flew like the down of a thistle. But I heard him exclaim, ere he drove out of sight, Happy Christmas to all, and to all a good night. And that was a visit from St. Nicholas on Fireside. Now, if that doesn't make you feel Christmassy, especially after the, the tragedy of the little match girl, I don't know what else will. Yeah, as I said, this is obviously an immensely famous, immensely popular poem. But it's not one that's read a huge amount, certainly when I was growing up. I believe it is a lot more popular in America, so I'd be interested to my American listeners see, like, was this one you were raised with, or were you just seeing it in the likes of the movie The Santa Claus, you know, where Scott Calvin reads it to the son beforehand, and then when Santa arrives on the road, they arose such a clatter, and it turns out it's actually the such a la- the such a clatter ladder company to actually climb up on the roof. That'd be probably where I would most know it from. So there are naturally going to be sections of it. Muppet Family Christmas also has the characters from Sesame Street performing this. But again, very edited versions of it so that there were sections and lines from it that I had never known. But it's written in all of these little rhyming couplets. 
so you can cut it at will and edit it to to your needs it's um it's written in trimeter which is always interesting uh, cuz a lot of a lot of poetry a lot of verse is written in um in iams in in groups of two so like to be or not to be whereas this is uh, but i heard him exclaim where he drove out of sight it's written in beats of 3 which isn't as popular and uh, works better in lighter more comic verse uh, such as this but i always like seeing it when it does and when it does work well because i really like it um why i did want to read this besides it being just so overtly christmasy and wanting to finish with a very happy christmasy piece is in a similar way to how treasure island the novel by robert louis stevenson originated most of the things that we associate with pirates such as having one leg eye patch parrot x marks the spot how they talked even this piece is where we get a huge amount of what we associate with santa claus and even with christmas as a whole there's a huge amount of the image of Santa, of the coming down the chimney, that and and of how Santa dressed and how Santa looked that originates in this poem. He borrowed the idea of reindeer that wasn't originated by Clem Clark Moore, but he said he was actually riding he was riding in a sleigh himself, and he based this image both on the the legend of Saint Nicholas, of this old saint who was very generous and went around giving gifts to people with this image of his sleigh rider, of her sleigh sleigh driver. So that is no, not slave driver. Um, of the person who was riding his, who was driving his sleigh for him, and this includes this rosy cheeks and the fur trim and the ho ho ho, the jolliness, all of this. But so much of the custom of gift-giving comes from this piece. And I think most significantly of all, the significance of Santa or Saint Nick coming on Christmas Eve comes from this piece. Up until that point, Christmas Day was traditionally when Saint Nicholas would visit. But there was... It was this idea that New Year's Day was considered the, the feast that everyone should be celebrating but christmas day had really taken over as as the general public's preferred day to have the big celebration so christmas eve having the popularity of christmas eve and the bringing the sense of childlike wonder and bringing this custom of gift giving to christmas eve helped to spread it out a bit more and helped uh, bring back new year's day as more of a significant festival and i think that's absolutely incredible the significance of one very simple rhyming piece that is still as popular to this day but that of it having such a colossal impact onto so many of the cultures that we take for granted with christmas because christmas is such a strange thing you know as originally being this pagan feast that then became this incredibly christian thing to then becoming this incredibly commercial capitalist thing that we all still most of us still kind of enjoy and still like the better ha parts of and i know i certainly adore christmas and 
reading these has made me feel Christmassy in, as I said before, a very place that feels quite un-Christmassy to me. So I'm very grateful for it, for that, um, for pieces like this and for you all listening so that I get to record this. And with that, I will wrap things up. I hope you enjoyed them all. As always, let me know your thoughts. Um, I hope however you spend it, whether you celebrate Christmas or not, I hope you're having a very safe and happy and peaceful time at the moment as the world is seeming very, very dark and very strange again. It's a really, really weird time and I think we're all feeling it. Um, and yes, I, I adore getting messages from you, from people just saying that Fireside can even be some kind of sense of escapism, even for a moment, uh, to take you away from how grim things can feel at the moment. So please do message me at Fireside Bard on Instagram or email me at thefiresidebard at gmail.com. As always, love hearing from each and every one of you. By, fire, by Garden Sea, um, from the Headstuff website, in paperback or the Kindle version is available on um, on Amazon. The links are in the description below. Join Headstuff Plus and join uh, at headstuffpodcast.com where for as little as five euro a month or you can pay more if you want. You can gain bonus material for everything. I will see you all. You'll hear me all next time. And remember, wherever you are and wherever you go, you can always join me by the fireside. Happy Christmas. This show is part of the Headstuff Podcast Network, a hub for the creative and the curious. Shows are produced in association with Headstuff and the Podcast Studios Dublin. Find out more or become a member at headstuffpodcasts.com.